Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Fast Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is Sunday, October 2nd, and we're going to review a few things today. Also talk about upcoming uh, events and things going on in the industry. Uh, but first, I do want to thank all of the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Fast Foundry, Works Connection, Pro Glow Wash, Grant Stone Boots, TL Speed Shop, and of course, last but not least, Fly Racing. And you know, everybody's so excited after Motocross Nations, including me. What a great weekend. You know, it's been 11 years, right? And everybody knows that by now because it was such a talking point. But I really didn't have any confidence. You know, I think I was probably the least confident of most of the people that I knew or talked to. But I've also been the one that's been going over to these races and watch us fail time and time again. And, and maybe fail is not the right word, but if, if it's a binary event and it's win-lose, you know, which it is for a lot of people that are fans, we were losing, you know, and many times we weren't even second or third. We were way down the list. And some of them were just embarrassingly bad, like Matterly Basin was just unbelievably awful. You know, Majora uh, was a heartbreaker. We were right there. And I would argue that if Jason Anderson doesn't get landed on, we win that one easily. But that's a part of the game that there are always going to be freak events at that particular race. It's just how it goes. It's always been that way. You should learn to expect the unexpected. Things, you know, change on, they turn on a dime. Uh, one DNF or one crash in the first turn or you know like there's just so many things that go on over the course of three races and I'll talk about some of the things that I thought really turned the tide this year you know most importantly for Team USA I was just hoping for good weather you know like we haven't had a dry Sunday at Motocross the Nation since Majora in 2016 it would have been dry uh, in 2020 the COVID year I went and looked at the weather for Matterway Basin where they had moved the event to and it would have been dry. Doesn't mean we would have won, I don't know, but at least it would have been a, a decent day. But we just keep running into inclement weather on Sunday. Now leading up to that, man, I got in with the fly racing you know, team that I work with on Wednesday night. It was nice when we got there, beautiful on Thursday, beautiful on Friday, beautiful on Saturday. And you're just like, man, this is this is awesome. But you just keep looking at the weather forecast and you see what's coming. It it got worse and worse, just progressively worse throughout the week and into the weekend. And then you look at the weather and it's like 100% rain overnight and like 60% all day. And you're just like, great, here we go. 2018 all over again. You know, for most people, for me, it was just like, okay, another year of mud. 
Uh, and it was, we show up at the track Sunday morning, it's underwater and I'm, I'm walking around trying to like assess the damage and it's just terrible. Like the track was just flooded. Now I have to give the track crew a ton of credit because they did seal it. They did the best job possible to, to harden it up so rain would run off, hoping that they would get a window before the moto started to scrape it and, and preserve the racetrack for the best motos possible. And that's exactly what happened. It did rain more, it was muddy, but if you're looking at how bad it could have been, I thought that they did a tremendous job of, of saving it to the last possible second. Now the B final was awful, like those guys were just, it was a full mud race, but what are you gonna do? There's nothing really they could do. That's not the primary event. They're not going to sacrifice anything for the B final to make the track better for them. They're just not, nor, nor should they. They have to prioritize the best window possible because once you scrape it before the first moto, any rain that comes after that, good luck because you're now down to the base. There's not a lot of really any margin for error left. And uh, that's just kind of how it always goes. It's the same for Supercross. You know, once they pull the tarps, you're exposed to whatever comes past that. And Lucas Oil Promoter Cross is the same. So luckily we didn't get severe downpours. We did get rain, but we didn't get severe downpours after that. So it was a relatively decent racetrack. You know, as for the racing, I don't know what else you could ask for. Just amazing battles and charges. You saw Dylan Ferrandez show incredible pace. You saw Chase Sexton kind of put in like an average day. I think he was just trying to not screw it up, which I totally understand. And I think was probably the prudent move. He was incredibly nervous. I don't think he rode his best by any means, but I think he also understood the, the gravity of the situation. He couldn't be the one to make the critical error. And once we got into that final race, he didn't need to, you know, other guys were making mistakes. Mitch Evans crashes, Dylan Fernandez crashes. Like they were opening the door for us. Hunter Lawrence crashes. You go down the list and it just came down to where, okay, guys, don't do anything stupid here and you're gonna win this thing. And, and the nerves and the thoughts, all the bad thoughts that are running through those guys' head, I'm sure they were running rampant. It, that's just normal for that race. And you could see, even in the interview, you know, the, the limited amount that, that you guys at home got to see, Chase Sexton had just this look, not terror, but like just solemn, like so nervous. And that was kind of consistent throughout the weekend for all those guys because they understood what was on the line, right? Everybody knew this is the best team we've had. This is the best opportunity we've had. And it wasn't so, I don't think it was so much like celebration after the race as it was just relief, like pure unadulterated relief of like, man, we didn't let everybody down. Now that slowly transitioned into celebration, but I think the first 30 minutes was just everybody taking a deep breath and like, man, we finally, we finally won this thing. And, and I don't think that's fair because these other teams are great. They have really, really strong riders. And that Australian team is going to be a big problem moving forward. You know, France is going to be great every year. Hurlings will probably be back. They'll be a problem. But Australia is really going to break out and become a year in and year out problem for everybody else because of the talent that they have to bear. Most notably, Jet Lawrence. Like he's going to win a lot at that race and he's always going to give them I don't say always, but many times he's going to give them ones to put up on the board. And that's really difficult to over, overcome. Those ones are just so tough. Uh, Justin Cooper, he delivered, you know, and, and if you want to just in a nutshell, 
say what he did, he delivered. Because there was controversy going in. There was controversy for several months over who the choice was going to be. Initially, many people thought it would be Barsha. Then it shifted to almost everyone thought it would be Christian Craig. And then, you know, Justin Cooper emerges from that, getting the nod. And there were still, even the week of the race, a lot of people were kind of like, man, I don't know. Like, if he doesn't do well, he's going to take a lot of heat because a lot of people thought Christian Craig should have got the, the pick. To Justin Cooper's credit, he nailed it. He killed it. And he won the MX2 class. He, I think he went, what, 9-4 on the day. That second, his second moto, he is all over the back of Guadagnini on the 450 for third. Gets the starts, no mistakes. You know, if you wanted to take a shot at him, you could say, well, Hunter Lawrence beat you the first moto. Okay, whatever. That's fine. Who cares? Hunter Lawrence crashed about five times over the weekend. So I thought Justin Cooper did everything that could have been asked of him, right? There are very few performances in the MX2 class for USA that you could look to as much better. Of course, Ryan Villapotas, 2007. Of course, Steve Lamps in 96. Like, there have been. O'Mara, there have been. I get it. But if you're looking for what you want out of your MX2 guy, two top 10 performances and one top five, you'll take that every single time, right? If, if that's on the table as, a, as an offering, you have to take that. You have to because... That MX2 score is always, I don't say always, many times is the weak link for teams. And if you can get a one score, you know, if you can use one of those as a top five, man, you really, really up the odds for a solid day. Because usually what happens at this race, you use, right, if, you don't, if you're not super familiar, you take five out of your six scores, your best five scores, right? And a lot of times that MX2 score, they'll get a bad start, they'll have a tough day. It's usually the lesser of the, of the riders, that's why they're still on the 250, right? They haven't moved to the 450 class yet. You get a little bit of variance there, and you typically drop one of the MX2 scores. And we did. We did the same thing. We dropped Justin Cooper's first MX2 score. But if you get a really good MX2 score that you can use as one of your five, it just put it like catapults you up the leaderboard. It always has been like that. It probably always will be like that. And that's where the argument for putting a 450 guy on the 250 comes from. They want the experience. They, you know, these people that are saying that, the talking heads of the sport, they're saying that because being able to take away, like if you remove that bad score for the MX2, you have this really strong 450 guy that's on a 250 and you get two really good MX2 scores, you, your odds of doing well go up exponentially. And that's why I think you saw Team France put Marvin Muscan on the 250. They knew that if they could get Marvin like in the top five, man, they would be really, really tough to beat. And they could rip victory away from the USA on home soil yet again. Now, it didn't go that way. Marv had an okay day. Decent, right? Wasn't great. Wasn't horrible. I think Marv was frustrated that he didn't do better. Um, and I was actually surprised he didn't do better too. I thought he would be a top 10 guy all day. I really did. He's always been great at Red Bud. I thought from where he was at Fox Raceway, he would get significantly better. The conditions would be much more conducive to him having a good day at Red Bud. And it just didn't go that way. It just, you know, thankfully for Team USA, it wasn't Marv's day. You know, it wasn't awful. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't like he should be, you know, taking blame. 
but it just wasn't a breakout day for Marvin, and thankfully so, because if you put Marvin in the top five, both motos, maybe he wins the MX2 class, it, it gets real tight. It gets really tight, and we would need all of the mistakes that France made, because then Renault wins MXGP class, Ferrandis was arguably the fastest guy at the event, and then you give Marv a good day, I don't know that we can overcome that, right? The points get really, really dicey in that scenario. So, the, the, you know, I'm, I'm talking about all these scenarios, but this is what you deal with at this race, and it's why it's my favorite event of the year, because there are so many moving parts, there's so much math, there's so much strategy for the gate positions, who goes where, uh, you know, in that last moto, like the two French guys get out front and you're like, here we go. The last moto is going to upend everything. Um, and that's just always how this event goes. It's always high drama. There's always so many things, you know, it's so like a dynamic, right? It's, it's changing nonstop on race day. And, you know, I, everybody was like going into the, the final moto, like, oh, we got this. And I'm like, we don't, man. Like things are going to happen in this moto. And thankfully they went our way. But like Ferran is crashing, Mitch Evans crashing. Like there's always that type of stuff. And it always seems like it's in race three of the day where it gets crazy. And uh, so I, I was not confident at any point. You know, I knew we had a seven point advantage, but Tomac goes down in the first turn or something goes way wrong and everything is on pins and needles from that point forward. So Tomac, I was really happy for him. If you saw any of my Instagram videos, like you saw how excited he was and the joy, it really was joy for him because I think this was his fifth motocross nations. Maybe the first time he had lost all four before it wins the fifth one. We all know that, you know, he's probably not racing with Oklahoma pro motocross. He's getting towards the twilight years of his career. And I don't know how many more times he's going to race this event if ever. So this was a critical one to get done because now it takes all that pressure off if he never races it again, that's okay. He got that one victory on home soil where everybody, no, you know, nobody's ever going to point to him and say, yeah, but you never did that. That's wiped off the table. And that's a big thing for these guys and their legacy is to not leave any boxes unchecked. So congrats to Tomac. Um, I was really, really happy for him. And uh, yeah, I hope that was portrayed in his interviews and the videos. You could just see it, man. It's really hot, hard to hide that much just relief and exuberance and joy and happiness. Um, and he deserved it. He really, really did, did deserve it. So job done, Michigan accomplished for, uh, for Eli Tomac and, and from whatever he does from here, you know, the rest of it's just legacy and you know, he can pad the stats, but it, to me, he's accomplished everything that he will ever need to accomplish in this sport. Jet Lawrence, uh, good grief, man. That guy is something else. I don't, really have enough um, superlatives to lay upon him. Um, he's, he's going to be someone that rewrites record books uh, in this sport. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about McGrath's Supercross wins or any. I, I just think when it's all said and done, there are going to be some records he has next to his name. That's, that's really all I'm getting at. He is so incredibly impressive at 19. The, the patience, the racecraft the way he goes about his business, um, the way he rides the 450, you know, low RPM, just he's such a thinking man's racer most of the time too. Not always, but most of the time. I I just love everything about what he is, who he is, how he races. Um, And I love that I I can cheer for him when he's not at Motocross Nations. 
he scares the crap out of me when he's at that race because I know how how uh, dangerous he is to Team USA's chances. But outside of that event, I am a huge fan, and, and I'll pr- that will probably only grow from here. So uh, congrats to him. He wins his first ever attempt at this race. And, uh, yeah, really, really nice performance by him. I, I made a tweet about how great he was. One of the other journalists in the sport was like, yeah, yeah, we all knew that, whatever. And I'm just like, dude, beat it. Like, I don't care what you knew or when you knew or whatever. That's not what this is about. This is about talking about how good he was and how good he's going to be. So to that gentleman that tweeted that, I, whatever, pound sand, dude. I'm not a huge fan of his work anyway. So it was right on brand for that dude and right on brand for the things that he typically says and writes about anyway. So yeah, par for the course. You just only uh, reinforced my, my initial thoughts anyway. Uh, Renault, I think I touched on, but really, really nice day for him. Most USA fans probably don't know a lot about him, probably haven't watched him ride in person before, but this is what he's brought to the table for most of 2022. He was your MX2 world champ in 2021. I personally thought he was making a mistake by moving up. I thought he would be better served by staying down and waiting and, and maturing a little bit more, but he made me look stupid because he won GPs this year. He did deal with some injuries. He did deal with some crashes. You know, his home GP in France was a bit of a disaster. But overall, he shut me up. He made me look foolish by saying it was a mistake all the way. You know, from the get-go, I thought he should have been on a 250 this year, and that that was absolutely wrong. Um, he, he is a deserving participant in the 450 class and a deserving recipient of that factory Yamaha MXGP ride. So great job from him. Uh, nothing but, uh, from kudos, nothing but kudos to give him. And I just have to take the L I was simply wrong. No other, no other really way to put that. Uh, Hunter results are good on paper, right? But cause what do you go like nine, 10 or something like that? But I, I think he was, it was a tough day for him for Australia, man. You look at what could have been, you know, he goes for the, for the takeout on Justin Cooper. That's my take on it, right? That's my opinion. He could say I'm absolutely wrong and he wasn't. That's okay. No problem. But my opinion was that he was going for the takeout on Cooper. He ends up crashing during it. And, and make no mistake, those two guys don't like each other. There is no love lost between the, the, the Lawrence brothers and Justin Cooper. So to see that move wasn't surprising. Like I, I just have almost come to expect that move from them. And I think it hurt Hunter on the day. I think it hurt Australia in the end by getting too aggressive because I think he was faster than Justin for most of the, that Sunday. I think he would have been able to beat him straight up, but it seemed like he got a little, they got a little bit desperate. Like, Hey, I have a chance to really take it to team USA and I can change the, the whole outlook of this event with a move. It just didn't work. So that's, you know, the risk reward uh, that's the downside of the risk reward there was, was Hunter put himself under a lot of pressure with, uh, with that crash. Um, touched on most of the guys I wanted to, you know, Sexton two, two, two on the weekend. Uh, did he have more? Yes. I talked to him afterwards. He, he didn't really felt like he rode to his ability, but I think that's normal for that event. Sometimes you don't have to be your best. You don't have to put in a ride like Moto two at Fox race where you, where you crash three times. That's what Dylan Ferrandez did. You know, what I look at Moto two at Fox raceway by Sexton was almost identical 
to Dylan Ferrandis on Sunday at Redbud. The fastest guy on the racetrack crashes multiple times and really, really impairs your chances of accomplishing what you set out to do. Is that deemed a success? I would argue no. You know, if, you're, if your sole goal is to be the fastest rider at the track, great. You got that done. Show me what that accomplishes other than everybody going, man, he's really fast. On, you know, at the end of the day and a like result, good, bad, it's not a good thing. If you can maintain that pace, awesome. Yes, do it. But I don't think you could. I don't think Sexton could maintain that pace at Fox Raceway without crashing. And I don't think that Dylan Ferrandez could maintain that pace at Redbud without crashing. And that's what happens when you override the track. Both of those guys were over the limit for what the track was allowing and they paid the price for it. And I don't think Sexton at Redbud was willing to do that. And it was the prudent move. It was the smart move. When you're in a team event, you know what you need to do. You don't need to win. Second was plenty good. Third would have been plenty good. So he just brought it home. So good job by him, by being mature enough and aware enough to understand the situation and ride to the level that was needed and not past it. Don't let your ego get in the way. Don't let these outside influences of like, you're worried about Jet Lawrence next summer, all that, like that will take care of itself. You'll have plenty of time to worry about that next summer. Redbud for Motocross of Nations is not the day to prove that point. My opinion, right? I know a lot of people would say it is, and I think Chase, a little part of him would say it is too. I just don't think it is. There will be lots of opportunity for that. Worry about that next summer, the end of next May, when we go to Fox Raceway, assuming that's what the schedule is. I I haven't seen it. No one's seen it yet. But you'll have time for that then. Don't worry about it at the biggest race of the year where everybody's going to be like, why would you push? You didn't need to push. You could just take second. You could just take third. That, That would have been everybody crying out had he pushed the envelope too much. So really good weekend. Amazing event. Um, you know, next year in France will be all time. You know, if you have the means and, and the willingness and the desire to go to France next year, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, it's just going to be insane. Their, their fan turnout, their enthusiasm is next level. All the other countries drive there from Belgium and Italy and all these people. So it's this truly international event. I think America's turnout will be higher because we finally won again. So I'm just expecting an insane one next year in France. If you go back and look at my Instagram from videos last time we were at Ernay, that's what you're going to get. Just unbelievable type turnout and participation and atmosphere. So I hope I will see you there. Um, I I can't wait. Now, as for this week, uh, there's a press conference on Tuesday for... Feld Entertainment, MX Sports, all these, they're, they're going to be talking about the Super Motocross Series, so I'm, I'll, I will be there. It's at the LA Coliseum. So that's exciting. Just fly down for the day for that. Um, I'm sure they'll have some really cool news to break to us, really fill us in on how this is going to go, give us the final schedule, give us some format stuff, because there's a lot of unanswered questions that I don't necessarily know, and I don't think anybody ne- necessarily knows yet. So that'll be fun. Uh, of course, they have the battle with World Supercross going on. I don't think it was really any coincidence that it's the week of the World Supercross opener, but hey, that's that's how this stuff goes. So uh, interesting week there. I'm sure there'll be a lot to report on on the backside of that uh, that press conference. So I'm excited there. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, I just wanted to kind of give an update. My thoughts. The broadcast was such a great time. Um, 
I love that event. I love getting to do the television stuff. I really felt comfortable after learning so much, you know, this summer with Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. I felt like I developed a lot. Um, I matured a lot in my presence on TV and I, I could share my thoughts more eloquently and uh, I wasn't tripping over my words. I wasn't lost in thought about how to share what I was seeing, right? Or share my thoughts um, clearly. That, that's just something that takes time and it takes repetitions. And I really felt like I took a step forward at Motocross the Nation. So that was, that was cool for me personally. Not that you guys care about that, but just sharing how I kind of felt about it. Um, so yeah, that's it for this week. Of course, thank you to all the great sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Plum Creek Funding. Uh, and I wanted to mention on Plum Creek Funding, they are now licensed in the state of Florida. So if you are looking to buy a house in Florida, reach out to Plum Creek Funding. He can get you dialed in. That's brand new. Mortgage rates are over 7%. That's a really tough dynamic. But some people need to buy a house no matter what. And if historically 7% isn't that crazy. I, I know I've had, a, I've had multiple loans in the sevens before. So just a part of it. Uh, Pirelli Tires has uh, that mid-soft mini tire. Guts Racing. If you guys saw that kit that Husky ran a few weeks ago, that throwback kit, insane job by them. Guts Racing, Andy Gregg and the crew over there. Works Connection. All three of Team USA riders were using the Pro Launch Start device. And shockingly, all three of them got great starts. Coincidence? I say no. Works connection at the front. Really cool for them to have a sweep for Team USA. Congrats to Eric Phipps and all of the Works Connection crew. They were there. I didn't get to see them, but they were there. Fast Foundry can help you get efficient for business. The, the country is in a tough spot right now, financially, business-wise, uh, recession-wise, inflation-wise. So reach out to Fast Foundry. Get the most help from them. They can, they can get you you know, as most prepared as, you know, whatever's going to come. I don't know how bad it's going to get, but you need to be as prepared as possible. So reach out to, to Robert Carrico and the crew at Fast Foundry. Pro Glow Wash, weather is, to me, this is the best weather of the year for riding nationwide, right? The hot areas are cooling down a little bit. The north end of the country is like going into fall. So it's like beautiful weather. So everybody's out and about riding in their side-by-sides on their motocross bikes. So get that Pro Glow wash and be as dialed in as possible. Um, it's formulated for power sports. If you have some of that dirt, that's really tough to get off. I know there's a track here in Idaho that if you let it basically cake on your bike, your bike will never look the same. So go out and get some Pro Glow wash and get that stuff off of there. Grantstone Boots, sponsor of our fantasy website as well. So one of the winners there got some brand new Grantstone Boots. So congrats to them. I actually got to wear mine last night to dinner. Love those things. I have so many pairs now. The, honestly, the toughest part for me is choosing which ones. And that sounds like such a salesy things to say, but it, it's true. It's really true. I don't, I, I like stare at them and try to pick the ones that I want to wear out. Uh, and last but not least, TL Speed Shop. Well, they're not last, but TL Speed Shop. If you like side-by-sides and most, let's be honest, most of America does, you can go to TL Speed Shop. They can set you up. You can go to the Grand Canyon. You can do a Baja ride. You can do a wine tour. And they dial you in. You fly in. You can do corporate events. And they will take care of everything. They have the side-by-side style. They have the safety equipment. They know all the routes. They can customize stuff for you too. So Jason and Josh at TL Speed Shop. Um, I still need to schedule my trip down there. I want to do that. But side-by-sides and like a destination event like that, are like that's some of the coolest trips there are out there. So reach out to uh, tlspeedshop.com. 
and they can get you dialed in. And all of these sponsors too, if you want to, if you reach out to me, I can connect you with them too. If you have a question, I'm like, hey, how do I get in touch? How do I find out more? Of course, I'm here to uh, to connect dots for you. And then Fly Racing, I'll be back at the office. I haven't been there much, uh, but it's it's nice to get there and get caught up and, and do some planning for 2023. So thank you to everybody. Thanks for being a part of this podcast. And of course, we'll update you. You know, Next week, I'll have a bunch of news to share about the press conference that we're going to go to. So what the Supercross season is going to bring, the new schedule, Super Motocross at the end of next year. And then we'll be able to recount what we saw at the first World Supercross round in Cardiff this coming weekend. So talk to you soon. And thanks for listening. Go check out all those sponsors. Uh, This honestly wouldn't be possible without them. So uh, that's it. We'll see you next week.